There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. My guest today is the founder and CEO of Australia's fastest growing community of established entrepreneurs and business leaders who are focused on a common goal. That is to help each other succeed by sharing their knowledge and experiences. Daniel Lakim launched his business, Clubber United Business, or Cub as it's known, in 2015 when he was just 23 years of age. And that's after being kicked out of two universities and deciding he wanted to make a difference in the world of business and networking. Cub venues are part bar, part restaurant, and part private workspace that offers a range of networking services to help their members make their ambitions a reality. Members get access to an incredible group of business minds as well as monthly events and speaking engagements by established business leaders. This year has seen Cub's business model get better. Yep, not worse, but better. Their team gets stronger and the brand's digital presence has become elevated. I want to ask Daniel how this year has made Cub's offering more relevant than ever, the importance of networking in the business world, and where did this all start? So let's get into it. Daniel Hakim. Welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you for having me. It's good to finally be a, a guest on a podcast rather than, rather than a host. I'm excited. Yeah, well, I, I got to declare I know Daniel really well. I know his dad really well, and I'm a fan of Daniel, and I'm a fan of what he does at Cub. So, but uh, before we talk about Cub, I want to talk about Daniel, um, and he's your perennial um, entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is uh, he probably epitomizes those characteristics I think are necessary to be a become an entrepreneur, but b survive as an entrepreneur. And one of the most important things that I mean, I often talk about, I talk about it in my playbook. One of the most important things is energy. This guy has got enormous energy. Well, I'm trying to find out where the hell it all comes from. So, mate, I don't know. You what are you in your thirties? How old? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay. So let's go back a little bit. When you were say, 15 or 16 years of age, you were being schooled in which country at that point? Or did you I come? I was in Paris. You are in Paris. Yeah. So you are being schooled in France. Yeah. Because yeah, your mum and dad lived in uh, London, I think. Where did they live? London? London. London, right. And um, so how many How many in your family? You got two, a brother. Two. I know you got a brother. Yeah, me, bro- my, my brother and my sister. Okay. So your family's living in the UK. Um, uh, you were being schooled at a... So- Mum lived in Paris with us. Right. When dad said, hey, we're moving to Europe, mum was like, okay, well, I'll move, but only if I can live in Paris because it's my favorite city. Right. So me and my siblings were in Paris and dad would commute back and forth from London. Right. So what was it like being an Aussie kid growing up in uh, a foreign city? So you left all your friends from Australia at home. Um, 
you're there with your family. I think that's pretty important. But like, what was it like? I mean, what do you think you got out of that? Yeah, well, at first it sucked because I come, my, my um, dad's Lebanese, my mom's Mexican. So we've got like a really kind of big, close family. And I'm blessed to have that. And so I'm, I was used to having cousins all around and like every weekend would be with everyone. And family is obviously real big uh, for us. And then, you know, dad took us and kind of sent us to Paris and put us in, in this apartment. And, and I, I was maybe 13. I was just maybe turning 14 or around that age. And uh, it was a big learning curve. It was a big growing up curve. It opened my eyes to the world. Australia is so far. So you don't really see just how big the world is and how much there is and what you can have if you're willing to go get it. And so Paris for me made me very independent because like, the lifestyle was different. The kids I went to school with uh, as well were all families of business and, and politics and, and all that type of stuff. So it really opened my eyes. And I mean, was it obvious to you though? At the, straight away. As soon as I got there, it was different. Yeah, it was so different to Australia. So it was because the, the kids here you hung out with in Australia, you would have known kids from the local area and stuff like that. And importantly, as you said, your cousins and uncles and aunties and all that sort of stuff. But all of a sudden you're in Paris and you're hanging out with these guys. It was a, a co-ed school. A, a, a Arab princes and all this type of Russian and Irish and British billionaires and American politicians. Is it obvious? It was overwhelming. What am I doing here? But is it obvious the kids of those, is it obvious that their parents are like Arab princes and billionaires to you or are the kids different or the same? No, they're definitely different. Yeah, yeah. They typically grow up alone, so their their families are normally living in different countries. I mean, they've got bodyguards, so it makes it pretty obvious a lot of the time as well. Um, and they normally speak three languages. They're really kind of well-versed in life and business. They've got a really kind of deep understanding, not because they're more educated or anything like that. It's just their experiences are kind of fast-tracked. And there's a real mix of culture too, so a big melting pot of all the different uh, religions and nationalities and all, all these different cultures. But Paris definitely showed me, hey, look, there's there's a lot for the taking in this world and if you do something good, you can have that. And it definitely lit a big-ass fire in me. So from you're saying you're from a, a young age, um, your ambition to achieve something sort of emerged or, or do you think that was always going to happen? No, it was always going to happen. I, I had watched... Yeah, my parents come from nothing and, and build an incredible uh, business and life. And so I've always had, I, I never thought I was going to be anything other than a businessman. That's just, I, I don't even know why. That was just always what I knew I was going to be. That's what I wanted. And I was, that's what Hakim's are. And so I was, I was happy with that mold. And I'm so blessed to have such a beautiful family and to, to have such a, a wonderful life that, that I was given. But my family didn't come from that. My family had to build that. And so I guess I've got, it's not guilt, but maybe a tremendous amount of gratitude for, for everything I've been given. And, you know, when I think back and I'm like, look at everything my, my parents did and they did it from nothing, you know, surely with what I've been given, I can do something really special. And that's just always been a big drive for me. Kind of, I'm super competitive. So it's like, oh, dad can do that. And he did it with nothing. And surely I can make him look very small. And because with what I've been given. And we all parents encouraging you to be that way? I mean, did they sort of say, uh, come on, Daniel, uh, you know, you can be whatever you want to be? I mean, or was, it, was that, or was it more he just was sort of watching you grow? And No, he used to say things to me like, I don't care what you do, you could be a, an actor, a, an artist, a teacher, as long as whatever you do, you're the best at it. And I was like, all right. And, and I'm super competitive, 
So I like to be the best at things. They're my two biggest idols, my parents, and they're, they're both so different. They're opposites. Um, Mum is the family. She's the love and the support and the togetherness that ground and the, the, the humility and the dad was the like ambition and the business and the drive and the kind of, yeah, that, that energy. And you don't realize how that affects you, but it does. Because now when I look back at it, that's, that's the business I started. It's, we started a business family. I put together my mom and my dad and the lessons of both, which is really all I knew in this world because I got kicked out of a couple of unis and it wasn't that crash hot at school either. And I put those two things together and, and that was, that's what became my business. That's interesting that uh, you probably never even realised that you were doing that. That became the cub business. Well, that's the ethos of cub yeah. really is family and business drive. Yeah. Okay. So you're in Paris, you go to school. Did you finish school there in Paris? Did you do your, like your last year of school there? No, or did I you come came back, back I came back, back to my last, my last year at St. Nation's College in Riverview. Right. You come back yeah. and you, you're a Riverview boy and you finish school off there. So what happened after school? Went back to Paris. I was supposed with, to with do, your family or? No, by myself at that point. Right. At that point I got used to it. I, I loved Europe. I was flying around places doing my thing. And I went back to France and actually I remember my dad saying, because my dad was never big at school. He, he used to tell me to drop out of school. And in fact, he used to tell me the only thing good about school is it teaches you to be good at something that you hate. And if you yeah. can be good at something you hate, then you could, you'll be great at something you love. And he, he said to me, he's like, go back. He's, you're surrounded by incredible people. And, and the people that you're surrounded by are going to make a huge impact in your life. And it's going to open a lot of opportunities. And so I went back to, to Paris to go to uni. I, I got into the, the American University of Paris and I just didn't go. <laughs> I just, like, I went for about a month and then, you know, I had friends everywhere and I was a bit of a degenerate for, for about a year there and until one day he called me. He was like, oh, time to come home, get back. And uh, I came back and, and very soon after that I, I started working. For him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was calling people collecting debt basically, which is the shittest job in the world if you've done that job. But it was brilliant because it taught me how to get people on my side. Like you've got to talk to these people. They owe you money. Yeah. They don't want to pay you money. And somehow you have to get, get them to pay it because they owe it. You, you have to learn how to be very persuasive with your, with your words. And because I was so young, I was probably, I don't know, I was 20. I didn't have that experience of having to pay debt and that type of thing at that point. And so it really opened my eyes to, to how to get what you need through, through your words. And, and that became a, a tremendously important skill for me. How does, how does someone like you, how do you stay grounded when you've lived a life where, you, you know, you were at international or at American school in Paris, you know, these billionaires and all that sort of stuff. You fly back to Paris after your HSC, you're on telephone saying to people, listen, you owe us some money, pay us the money. I mean, how do you stay grounded? Because you're, you're pretty grounded as a, as, a, as a young bloke. We're very humble. We're very, my family's very down to earth. But also the fact we came from, from nothing. When my parents came to this country. That's where they came from. That's what yeah, you remember. But it's very close to us. We know that. Well, how? Do they say, hey, we come from, how does that work? I mean, like. like you see your grandparents and you see, uh, and you hear stories. I mean, your family's history plays a big role in your development. And we come from, our family was in housing commission. My dad lived in housing commission. Uh, he is a great example of how amazing of a country Australia is that someone, uh, a migrant can come, can't speak English, can't do anything, is in housing commission and can actually achieve something. And, and when you see that story and you hear that story, 
if that does not motivate you, what else can, if you're given any, people have to remember, and I always sit back and just remember how grateful you are. It doesn't matter what you have. Never compare yourself to someone else. There's always so much to be grateful for. And I'm surrounded by winners all day at Cub. Everyone at Cub is, is, is someone who's winning. And you can see that's a trait. They are always grateful. And the other thing that they are is that bad things don't face them. Adversities are a great thing. They're amazing. Adversity is a chance to, to, to become strong, to, to overcome. And every adversity is a gate, is, is like a fence. And the more fences you jump over, the less people are able to make it as far as you. It's like every time something difficult happens, if you can overcome that, there's others who didn't which in your head makes you think, okay, I can keep going. I can keep going. I'm going to keep doing better. But where does this all come from, Dan? I'm not trying, I need to get to the bottom of this, like our listeners do, because there are some people who say, yeah, well, I can't do that. They're thinking to themselves, they can't, they can't be that positive. Well, then I they've mean, got the wrong mindset. Okay, where does that come from in you? I mean, like, well, is that, is that how you've always been? Were you always like this little kid or were you, did you find that out when you were looking at all these people in, at school? Or is it because, you know, mum or dad's always been in your head about this or your family is always in your head well, about it? it's hard to say. It could be half personality, half life experiences. But I always think that it's watching, it's the examples that I've been given, both the business examples uh, through, through dad and the ethical and, and love and family examples that have, uh, have, have come through, through mum. Both have incredibly ethical, great ethics, but mum, I meant the more family, the more humble, the more grounding. And when you see people build something like that, it can only inspire, and these are people, these are my family. It's inspiring. And I want to do, I want to give something to, to the world. I want to leave something positive. I want, I want to create something good and, and give back to Australia for, for being such a good country and giving, and, and giving me a, a nice life. And, and I just think it's example. And, and I, for people who think that they can't do it, the only person that's ever going to make them think they can is themselves. And you just need to believe I've got a, tr- a stupid amount of self-confidence. It's ridiculous. If I watch someone else jump up, jump three meters onto a building, I would believe that I can do that. And that doesn't mean it's right. Right? Probably means I'm a bit sick. No, actually. but belief is important. So, but anyone can have that. You just have to see yourself in the right light. You've got to picture yourself. That's who I am. And 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 that really is what helped me stack up that that image that I had of myself which I don't know where that came from, I can't tell you that, but I had an image in myself and that's what drove me to actually want to do something with my life. So how, how, old, how old were you when you first conceived Club, Club uh, of United I thought Business of it then. when I was 22. 22. I had come up with the idea when I was 22. So, so you were in there um, bringing up debtors and then what was the moment where you said, hang on, I'm, I wouldn't mind setting up a, a, a business called a Club of United I Business got, or Cub? When I, was, when I was maybe, you know, when I was 21... I've never actually said this on, on a public platform before, but when I was 21, I, I, um, I got really depressed and I didn't know why because... Was there an event or something? No, I, I didn't know why. I, and, and it made it worse that I didn't know why because I thought, oh, I've got a good life or there's nothing wrong. Like, why do I feel so bad? What, what, what's, what's this hole in, in me? And looking back at it, it was that, I mean, I think it was that in my head... I was a real special person. You know, I, had a, I was a real accomplished person. I'd done all these things and I was really confident. But in reality, I wasn't yet. I was just some useless 20-something-year-old who had accomplished nothing with his life and hadn't done anything. 
And I think the difference between what was in my head and what was actually reality was that gap was causing a, a really bad, I, I looked badly upon myself. I felt badly upon myself. So I know how that feels. Are you tough on yourself? Extremely. But, but, but bad feelings. If, and you know what? So many, particularly young men, go through depression around that age. And I actually, because I mean, I obviously speak to a lot of people, but I actually think it's probably for a similar reason. And, but what you have to remember is bad feelings are not, they're there for a reason. They're not there to hurt you. They're there to make you stronger. And I was in pain for a long time. Did you feel that? Did you know that at the time? No, though? no. This is a lesson. But bad feelings are there to make you stronger. They, your body doesn't produce them for no reason. It produces them to make you change something. Where, how did you realize that? Eventually, it got so bad that I said, I need to change. <laughs> so it was it literally like that? I mean, you, yeah, it was you literally thought, like shit, I'm, I just feel like jack shit. i got to do something about it. Yeah, I need to change. I need to do something. And my head's telling me, my body was telling me, hey, you should be this. This is where you should go. That's what you should be doing. But I wasn't doing it. And at that point, it was like, you know what? I need to make a change. And so bad feelings are good because they force you to change. They force you to improve only if you take them for that and you actually do change. If you don't change, you're screwed. You're stuck. And what, and what happened? What did you do? I changed. I said to dad, dad, it's time I, I work for myself because that was the path I knew I wanted. It's time I started a company. And it was right then and there that I, dis- I decided, that's it. I'm dropping everything. My life is becoming work. I want to build something special. And I then went for, for about a year. I, would, I was trying to think of a company. I was young, don't forget. I was 21, 22. I wanted to be a real sexy company. I didn't want it to be a boring one. You know, like I wanted to be saying real cool. That was mine. I love ownership over things. So I wanted to be something that no one else has done. It's, it's something just mine. And, and I, I just couldn't think of anything. For, for ages, and which is ironic because right now I think about one a day, a, a company a day, but, but I couldn't think of anything. And then one day uh, we went on a family holiday and we hadn't been on a family holiday in ages. And that whole holiday, I was just a piece of shit. I was, I was just miserable to be around. I was being spoiled. I was, just, I was just sad. I didn't feel well. And my family even, even my nana was like, go away. Like, you know, you're being ridiculous. Like for your Nana to do that, you're like, shit, I must be pretty bad. Anyway, one day I walked up the beach. I just left and I went for a walk, but I found this hammock, just there was a hammock outside a hotel on the beach. And, and I sat on it and I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I'm stuck still. Like, I know what I want to do, but I don't know which, what, what do I do? Like, I know the path, but where is it? You know? And so I thought to myself, if I can't think of a business, why don't I think of my business's name? I'll think of a name for my business. And I'm thinking about my childhood. <laughs> I definitely have never said this on a public platform. I may regret it, but whatever, it's, it's happening. And I <laughs> think about my childhood and my favorite movie when I was like a little kid, I used to watch it like three, four times a day. I can still recite every word, was The Lion King. <laughs> I was sitting there like, oh yeah, Lion King. That's pretty cool, that King, Lion, Cub. Woofed, cub, what's that? It's a future king. It's future power. Someone who's going to become something. I was like, holy shit, that's my company. I'm building a company for people who want to become something great, who have big ambitions and are going to have- Well, people. that's you. It was me at the time. And it's, it's my members. It's the type of people. And I was like, I just thought of my company. I just, it, I, it like whacked me. And I've still got the original notes I wrote in my phone, which is like, cub, 
future kings and queens, you know, future power, cub hotels, cub media, okay? all these cub, 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 cub. I was like, cub is wicked. So I was just so excited. I didn't know anything about what cub was at the time. I just knew the concept, which was for people that want to become something and that it was to do with community. It was family, like cub, like, a, like lions, like pride. And then I launched cub and with no service, like no staff, barely any furniture. And I started uh, signing people joining. And they're paying the same price they are now. They're paying monthly, but it was the same price. But we didn't have anything. And other than what I was, you know, oh, we're a community of people and they'd so love you're that. using your skills that you did when you rang up the debtors. Yeah. You're getting on the phone to people. Yeah, I could sell. And not just that, there was no one that was selling what we're selling. And, and it's needed. The most important thing any business owner can do is have is be surrounded by the right people. That's not just for business. That's for anything. Well, you that's be how the, you live your life, your own exactly. family. Exactly. And if you want to be the best biologist, go to the best biology university. You want to be fit, go to the gym. There's a bunch of fit people there. You want to be great at business, come to Cub. And that's what it became. And then Club of United Business, which is the actual name of Cub, that, never, that was never a thing. That came only after the first 12 months because I'm signing up serious, serious members. Like the head, at the time he was the head of, uh, private bank, the Commonwealth Private Bank, Adrian Hondros, who's who's still a a, a member to this day, and now is the CEO of Porter Davis, one of the largest home builders in the country, but but still a member. And I remember being at the Combank offices in this big boardroom and telling, him, "Oh yeah, this is what Cub is. It's amazing." And he's like, "Done. I'm in." I was like, "Awesome." And he goes to me, "But what does Cub stand for? <laughs> what does it mean?" And I was too embarrassed to tell him it was the Lion King. So <laughs> I was like, "Oh, yeah, it's just a funny, easy to catch word." Anyway, so that night I went home, I locked myself in my room and uh, I was watching like YouTube videos and like inspirational things. And I was like, okay, like B, that's obviously business. C, okay, well, yeah, we're a club because we're, you know, we're together. So I had the B and the C. I'm like, the U, what's the U? What is U, 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 U? I was like, whoa, everything great. Like all the big powers in this world, which club will be, have united in them, the United Kingdom, the United States. I was like, Whoa, Club of United Business Leaders. And then I ran, ran to Cub that next day. I was telling one of the members, his name's Dom Bresson. I was like, Dom, check this out. Cub stands for Club of United Business Leaders. And Dom's like, that would be Kabul. <laughs> what are you doing? It's not Cub, it's Kabul. I was like, oh, no. And then- Drop the L. I dropped the L and that's <laughs> Cub became the Club of United Business. But it's all because I was sad. I, I, I felt like I wanted to achieve do something in my life. I didn't know what it was. I was lost. I had very bad emotions, but I, I used that adversity. I used that pain to push into something good. And, and I think that's something that everybody can do because no one feels happy all the time. No one feels satisfied with themselves all the time. And when you don't, that's when it's time to do something. Well, we're going to get a break. We're going to come back. I want to talk about Cub. I want to talk about the business, what you offer, what your product is, um, how you sell it. Um, and then I want to talk about uh, how the pandemic has affected you and what you've done to sort of survive. I mean, because, you know, it's, again, another pain point in your life and, our, and all our lives, for that matter. And, you know, did you wander around for a period of time back to the hammock and try and work out, shit, how do we get through all this? So I'm back here with Daniel Hakim. I, ju- I just got to summarize something for everybody who's been listening. So you would probably got to got the sense that this guy has got more energy than anyone you've ever met. Like he is so passionate and enthusiastic. He's told us a story that he's never probably told anybody else in a public forum before. But 
you know, it was out of adversity, let's call it his depression or whatever that was at the time, him feeling sad. And uh, him reflecting on what he wanted to do, he formed Cub. You know, he probably assumed, maybe didn't do the research, but assumed that there must be a whole shitload of people who need to be part of a pride, to be part of a group. And fortunately for Daniel, he's always been part of a, a really solid group. That's his family. Um, and uh, what he's done here, is, as, I, as I know his business, is that he's taken that whole family ethos and that whole support ethos, you know, that underpinning that we all need out into the commercial environment and actually monetized it by saying to people, come and join us and I'll become your family and we'll all become your family through good and bad times, because I don't give a shit at who you are. You know, like whether you're setting up a business or you've been in business for a long time, but you get those shit times where you just feel like Daniel did when he was 21. And sometimes you can't explain it. Sometimes it's an external force and you just need, you need that support to come up with the solution for yourself. But you need that support. You need to know that you've got that support and that's what Cub does. So now, Daniel, first and foremost, explain what Cub does. Just give it to us, break it down, what you what your product is and how you distribute it and what the, your consumers or your members get from the product. Yeah, well, first and foremost, the most important thing any, any business owner can do is have the right network and the right relationships. That will allow you to accomplish your goal. In fact, it's the oldest tactic of all time of securing success is knowing the right people. It's something that everyone says and kind of knows. But there's never been a way for Aussie entrepreneurs to connect. And to do that. And, and so that's what we do. Cub is a members club that builds valuable relationships between accomplished Aussie entrepreneurs. It's as simple as that. All we do is build relationships. We've got a great system towards doing it, of which we can kind of guarantee that every member has the same experience throughout their membership. Um, but in short, every quarter, every member is placed in a group of 10 uh, other members based on their network plan. At that group of 10 members meets three to four times over the quarter, each with a specific purpose. So the first time is just to get to know each other and a bit of a meet and greet, so get to meet the members in your group. The second is knowledge share. So it's utilizing the combined knowledge of your group to benefit each individual member to solve their biggest current problems. Think about how crazy that is. Imagine being able to sit with a group of 10 other accomplished leaders and be able to source their knowledge. It's incredible. And the third session is... Uh, about leveraging each other's networks. And the network of the network is even more powerful than the actual network itself. And, and it's about that. And then the four sessions, normally a celebratory dinner where everyone has a drink and has a laugh. So, and we repeat that process three times throughout the year. So basically what Cub does, it continually allows you to build valuable relationships with new people, with, with your fellow members. And that accumulates because even just one valuable relationship represents an endless amount of opportunity, right, and value, which will serve you now and long into the future. And as like our members, they say, you know, three, four, now five years, because we're, we're just past the age of five, it's compounded. They've got these, they've got a network far bigger than anyone that's not in Cup, right? Obviously, anyone at that stage of business. You have your big business players, like people like yourself, but you've worked a huge career to obtain that network. But what it, but the most important time to have the network is on your way up. It's when you're a fast-growing company. It's when you have not yet accomplished your ultimate ambition. That's when you need it. And it's incredibly lonely because you've got your like family, everyone's got their family, who are one community in your, in your life that, that provides you 
some support. You've got your friends who are in another community in your life. They'll provide you support. But who do I speak to when, when I have an issue with my business? Who do I speak to that's on the same path as me? And have your this family same, don't want to know about it. No, and you don't, and want, you, to stress, and and you don't want to stress them out. And your friends don't want to know about it. And your, stress look, your friends look up to you, so you don't want to tell them that you're suffering. So who do I go? Well, who teaches me? Where do I learn? Where do I get that support? Cub, it is your business family. And that has always been the concept. But in essence, it's we fight for Australian businesses. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The entrepreneurial journey is not an easy one. In fact, it's not even supposed to be easy. That's why so few, few people make it through it. It's supposed to be hard. That's why loving adversity is important for it. But if it's hard, you need to somehow make it easier. And that's what we're, that's what we're on a mission to do. We're on a mission to improve the entrepreneurial journey. And we're doing that by ensuring Aussie entrepreneurs have the network and relationships needed to succeed. So again, though, it's, it's an important point. Um, I think the assumption is for those people who are, not, who are not in business or who are not running a business, I think the assumption is and when they look at someone who's successful as an entrepreneur that everything's always perfect and how good, is, how good it is. And I can say that from every single week of my business life, every week a new problem arises. And I mean, I'm like, yeah, I've got various people to discuss this with, but if you've got no one to talk to it about, it will drive you insane. I mean, you're laying in bed, at, you'll be laying in bed at two o'clock in the morning trying to work out all this shit yourself. Over time, it just wears you out. It either wears you out or you give up or you, or you just get so befuddled, you just can't work out a solution. And what you're saying is that, um, I mean, I love the second week of, or the second meeting of the the third part. You do this in thirds every year. So you do it three times a year. The second meeting is you you propose problems to your group and ask for their input as to how to solve it based on their knowledge and experience. Based on their knowledge and yeah. experience, that's a great a great outcome because it's not like oh well, do you mind trying to help me? It's not like and then all of a sudden someone helps you. You owe them. They're, you're all doing the same thing, so it's a fair exchange. And and member, don't forget we induct members. Cub is a community. We've got rules and like laws and like a culture that that is supposed to be. So everyone is inducted. So you know when you become a member, when you're invited in and you become a member, that you it, it, it's a privilege to have this community, to have the members there ready to help you no matter what, ready to support you. That's a privilege, not the company, not being a part of us and the company, but just being around and having these other this incredible community there to support you. That's a privilege. And that privilege comes with a commitment. And that commitment is to is to find value, is to give value, to give your value to your fellow members, whether that be just being open-minded and spending the time to get to know someone, even if you don't believe there's an immediate value, uh, 
It may be, it's a commitment to sharing your knowledge and experiences to, to benefit a fellow member. And it's a commitment to sharing your network and to, you know, oh, Mark, you should meet um, Laura. Uh, you guys could do potentially this together. It would be a fantastic connection. You know, so it's a commitment to, it's a commitment to bringing value to your fellow members. And when you're in a group like that, it's a really special feeling because what makes Cub the most different, what makes it so special is that it feels like you're hanging out with family and friends. It's not that old school stuffy leadership community where it's all like, blah, 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 like you know, it's it's uh, kind of formal and kind of boring. Yeah, that's not and, like a university club or something like that. It's all bullshit. None of that. Cub is literally like you're hanging out with family and friends. It's always two things. So every engagement you have with the club is always both enjoyable and valuable. We work too hard anyway. We're already working all the time. We're already, like I said, the entrepreneurial journey is not easy. There's always adversities. We want to have a good time when we're at Cub, but we needs to be valuable for both us as a leader and for our business. And that that relaxed culture at Cub is what allows the members to to truly they, they become friends. They become I, I, honestly they, the amount of best friends we've probably made is in, incredible. How do you get them to open up? I mean, I mean, like, do some people come in there as a member and all of a sudden? get shy or um, feel a, a bit nervous about opening up about an issue they might have? The best thing, the, my favourite event at Cub is uh, the welcome evening because it's when all the new members. The first night. The first, so a member's first experience in the club. So they walk in, hi, I'm Mark Boris, so i got a business called Blah, and what, what do they do? Yeah, there's a little bit of that, I guess. There's a two-minute introduction. Um, but then it's just social time. It's just, hey, relax. This is Cub. This is a place where you're comfortable. And it's so funny because up until that point, they haven't actually met other members other than who's referred them or whoever they know. So they don't know who's here and they don't know the culture. And you see them walk in and you see people do the introductions and you see their eyes light up because they're like, holy shit, look at all, like this is incredible. I'm sitting in a room of incredible people. Not just that, but I feel so comfortable. I just feel relaxed. I, everyone's laughing. No one's serious. Everyone's everyone's really relaxed. And it's it, they walk they walk in nervous to their welcome evening and, or like skeptical and they walk out like, this is amazing. Can you just explain, like, how do you, I mean, I think it's important to listeners to understand something. That this is not just freestyling. I mean, this is all well systemized. I mean, Daniel has this whole thing systemized. There is a process that it gets adhered to on every occasion for every meeting, for all the club, for all the cubs, for all the clubs of cub, for all the different groups anyway, um, and it's well systemized. Um, so... I think you should have just explained to everybody how important to you the systemization is within your own it, environment. It was the most important thing that we did. And it, it, we never had an issue selling. Everyone needs what Cub provides and no one else offers it. Right? So we always were selling fast. We, we always had members coming in. What we had an issue doing was how do we deliver what we want to deliver? Because Cub's not like another company where – it's not like a marketing agency or a real estate agency where you know these are the roles, these are the people, there's already people looking for those roles and they've studied for that role and this is how we run the company. Cub was, we have to invent this family networking service for business owners that delivers each member the same exact experience and it's systemized and we know exactly what's going on and we know who's engaged and how engaged they are and, and who's not engaged so we can get them re-engaged and how many engagements you need to ensure you renew and like all this, the data so we went on about really a three-year journey of, of building that. And it was not me that built it. It was, the, it was Team Cub. Team Cub is the best team in this country. These, they are, these are your staff, they're, these, they're, all your colleagues. My team. They're incredible. They're the reason Cubs does so well. They're the reason it's good. And they've created this system 
that guarantees every member the opportunity to build valuable relationships with a minimum of 30 other accomplished leaders per year. Imagine that 30. That's a lot, right? And we measure everything. We're the only company on the planet that does what we do, how we do it, that uses our reporting, that has our system. We, it, this cub is Australian made. It is for Australia by Australia. There's other leadership groups. They're American groups. They come in and they try to get everyone together and, you know, there's not really any staff here. They're just kind of whatever. Cub is for Australian entrepreneurs. It's supporting Australia by supporting Australian entrepreneurs. It is literally invented in Australia. And Australia's had a lot of great inventions. I promise you one of them is going to be Cub. It's, it's changed the way leaders connect. It's changed. It's, it's improved it. So your business relies on people to meet. So what happened in um, March this year? Yeah, well, shit hit the fan for a while there. How'd you feel? Well, it's a bit funny because uh, I did like a, one of those disc tests, you know, the personality tests once. We had a professional come in and do the whole team and he looked at me and he goes, there's something wrong with you because I've never seen anyone that has your amount of D or whatever it was. And he goes, if, you ever, if there's ever a war, you need to be, you need to go. You need to go to war. He goes, you love to play in chaos in war. And I can tell you now, as soon as COVID hit, that was just my time to shine. I loved it. I was just like, mad, let's rock. Like it was like I had got complacent. I got to be bored. It was getting easy. And COVID really threw, uh, threw a spanner in the works. And, and so I got scared, of course. Because you, your business would w- rely on people getting together. Yeah, I mean, you can't have the welcome day. We couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. We couldn't do that anymore. We literally couldn't do what we do. How, like, just thinking about that now, it's like, what was I even thinking? I didn't get scared at the time. I really didn't. Because I, I knew in my heart, no matter what, I would figure it out. I just knew that. So I was like, well, it'll, I'll figure it. But we did it so well as a team. We sat down at the very start of COVID and I said to the team, look, it's important we have a goal. And, our, and I said, this is not going to be easy. But our goal is that by the end of this, when we get out of this, not only are we all still here, but we're going to be stronger, bigger and badder than ever. That's what we said. And I said, it's not going to be easy. We're all going to have to sacrifice but we're doing it together. And as long as we stick together, we're going to win. And when you have that goal, suddenly everyone has that security. I'm not going anywhere. And because they have that, they are willing to do what it takes to get to the other side, whether that be sacrificing things, whether that be working ridiculously hard, it doesn't matter. And they're not doing it for the company. They're doing it for themselves because they themselves were overcoming this great adversity that was handed in front of them. And you can ask any of our team now, they are stronger, happier people now than they were at the start because they have so much more self-confidence in what we've accomplished as a team. So I think when adversity hits you, you need to have a sense of belonging. Again, it's really it's really the whole Cub concept on steroids, to be frank with you, because, I mean, the whole concept of Cub is everyone belonging to something, your members belonging to something. Well, you, you've had to apply that same concept to your own business. It starts with your team. If your team isn't a family, your clients can't be. And... And so we had that goal. We said, we're going to be here. We're going to be stronger than ever. And then we had to figure out, oh, okay, how do we actually make sure we live? How, how do we get through this? Well, thing? this is Daniel again sitting on the uh, uh, hammock yeah. at the beach with his family where he's basically got a boot up the ass from his nana, you know, stop being so miserable. And he's gone and sat in the hammock and he thought, okay, I'll, first I'm going to come up with, with what I want to do and I'll figure out how I'm going to do it down the track. Yeah. I, yeah. My dad used to say, shoot the name. Just start. And which yeah. I agree. Because no one ever starts. Everyone's that you. If you want to beat the ninety percent, just start whatever you want. Just start it. If you want to do it, just start. You'll figure it out. Back just to start. It. Yeah. Anyway, so we just we made that decision. We said this is what we're going to do. We're going to be here. 
So how are we going to survive this now? And then I gave it to the team. I said, well, guys, what do we do? We can't bring anyone together. And the whole time, um, Alice, our engagement manager, she's kind of the head of all networking. She's like, Daniel, I think this um, COVID thing's pretty serious. Like I, I put a feeling we're going to, like, I don't think we can actually host these events. I'm like, no, don't be ridiculous. It's nothing. Like, who gives a shit? Let's just keep going. And sure enough, she was right. And so um, the team got together and they showed me this thing called Zoom, and which I'd never heard of. And I don't even think they had, to be honest with you. But anyway, we transformed in, in, into an entirely digital membership base. We even built an app, right, which we were already building, which I just fast-tracked it. So we we fully went digital. So we ran, Core is the name of our networking system, Core, K-O-R, Knowledge Opportunity Relationships is what it stands for. And we call it our core network. It's Cubs core service. And that's the that's when you get placed in the groups every uh, four months. And we ran those groups digitally. That's that's all we did. And while, okay, for me, it's not favorable. I love being in person. And I think the best, we build relationships. That's what we do. And the best way to do that's in person. Because you need to see someone, see their facial expressions and shake their hand and all that type of stuff. It was still incredibly valuable for the members. Because in a time of chaos, when other business leaders were alone, they had no one to, or very few people to support them through such a difficult time. Our members didn't. Our members had so many people helping them. Our members had, we ran something like 20 digital conversations uh, um, a week, which were things like how to renegotiate your lease, how to like employment uh, law and what to do, how to reduce your wages, how to get your uh, job keeper. The, and, and it was member run. So members were the hosts of these conversations. So members who specialized in those topics were sharing their knowledge with you. It was mind-blowing. The community thrived through COVID because they had each other. And then the best thing ever happened. I realized, whoa, having the right people around you, Cub, is not a luxury. It is a necessity. And it is most certainly a necessity in times of difficulty. When do you need your family the most? It's in times of crisis. It's the hard times. That's when you need them. And Cub did that for the members. So we ran everything digitally. And... Uh, we ran that very successfully. The members who had been members for a long time did not like the digital as much as they liked the in-person. It was just a fact. I didn't even know. But like no one digital. does. Well, the new members did because they didn't know any better. So <laughs> Yeah, but once they know better, they'll probably. They will definitely yeah, like in-person. Yeah. But like there's a lot of members. Like, for example, every member that's joined Melbourne this year, which is a lot, they only know Digital Cup. They've never even been to our clubhouse, right? But they love it. And, and they're paying the same price. And they love it. So... It just showed, well, first of all, we're undervalued. <laughs> Second of all, it's a necessity. And look, in time of difficulty, our community is separate to us. It's acting for itself. Members are helping members. Members are becoming the membership managers. And it was incredible to see. And now, now it's even better because like, we had so many benefits. For example, we started running Sydney and Melbourne as one company. We had never done that. So now it's one team. Best thing we ever did. We increased team communication because I was worried that the team were getting stressed and they were separated in isolation. So we would communicate. We had more meetings as a team. Your and own team, your own, your own our colleagues, people yeah. internally. But also our communication with our members. Right? So team, the team got more bonded, stronger, and the team had more confidence in each other because they had all gone to war together and they've won or they're winning. Right? So the team is much stronger. Our business model got way better because I got forced. What's that saying? Um, it never wastes a good crisis. We used Cub to slim our model, to drop our cost, to drop all the bullshit that I was paying that wasn't to do, mm. and it had nothing to do with building valuable relationships, just to do with Daniel liking it. I dropped all of it. 
in some things it was taken away from members. It really was. But members don't care because they're not joining for that. They're joining for the valuable relationships and we're doing that better than ever. So our, our model got better. While our revenue dropped 25%, our cost dropped more. So our profit actually went up and the model is going to stay like that. So when the economy returns, we're going to ride that wave all the way back up with a much more profitable and efficient business. business. Yeah, which I never would have done otherwise. Um, the brand and, and our members, our members got so much more confidence in us because they saw how hard, they saw Team Cub going, working like animals. We were, and, we, and I said to everyone, communicate, communicate, just pump it everywhere, LinkedIn, Instagram, we don't just show what we're doing, show what we're doing. And because we had such a big presence digitally, and everyone was sitting at home doing nothing, looking on digital. They kept saying, cub, cub, cub. Well, look at all the amazing things. So the, the brand actually elevated too. And even now, we're back in Sydney running. Sydney's running back almost as normal, right? Not how it was, but it's running in the new normal, where instead of getting 70 people in a room together, we're getting groups of 10. And the networking doesn't run just in a week. It happens every single day, which is great for us because we don't have to rent furniture. We don't need so much, but also it's better for the members and better for the team because the members are in these beautiful luxury lounges of 10 where they're sitting together in our, you know, you've been to our clubhouse. Yep. It's stunning. Like uh, it's designed to impress clients and for members to feel comfortable and remind them of who they are. So they're sitting in the clubhouse in, in these intimate groups. And it also means that us as Team Cub have the opportunity to speak to every member because they're coming in every month. Yeah, that's great. So like you're, built, you're broken down into smaller, smaller, more manageable groups. Yes. And, uh, and by the way, you've got the premises. You might as well just use the premises. There's now, no point leaving it there. Exactly. It's, well, that's why we've got it there. Yeah. Because it's not a co-working space. Everyone at the start when Cub opened, everyone thought we were a co-working space. We're not. We're a networking company. Mm. And so humans need humans. We're evolved to be stronger together. And that's all Cub is. It's allowing us to be the best humans possible, but we do it for business. And the reason we do it for business is because I love Australian entrepreneurs. I, I idolized my dad when I was growing up. I wanted to be like that. And I look at the members in the same light. I love them. Like I, I love seeing that they that they love Cub. Can you describe some of your members? Um, like – Give us an idea of what we're talking about here. We've got yes. male and female. We've got, um, I don't know, engineers. What have we got? That's the best thing about Cub. It's It represents the modern face of Australian business. At Cub, you can find your 26-year-old uh, businesswoman with her online fashion retailer all the way through to the chairman of the board of the largest non-bank moneylender in the in the country right? And and everyone in between. Just a bunch of legends in the same room, all of them. And you know what's funny? They're all very similar people. You could speak to one of the young businesswomen, women, and one of the more traditional older men, and they're, they're the same people. They, they have the same characteristics. They love adversity. They don't have any excuses for why, why I can't accomplish something. Oh, I can't accomplish because of this. None of them ever do that. You'd never hear complaints or excuses at Cub ever. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that um, do you think a trait of failure at being an entrepreneur um, is overthinking? Overthinking the deal. That's what stops people from becoming one. Like I said, if I had any advice for anyone that wanted to follow this path, first of all, know that it's not an easy path for anyone. It's going to be a shitty path unless you learn to love adversity. So if you love adversity, go down that path. But if you want that path still, just start. There's really three things you need to do to, to be successful in business. The first is start, which no one ever does. So... By doing that, you're already beating 90% of them. Then you've got to not stop and just keep going no matter what. 
because your odds of succeeding go up every year. Your business survives. Five years is a big difference to 10 years, a big difference to 15 years. But you also need to continuously measure and learn because if you're not continuously learning and you're not stopping, well, eventually you're just going to be depressed because it's going to suck. You're going to keep going in a straight line. You're not going to be moving up. So just start and keep learning, keep improving. That's an important thing. So don't overthink it before you start. Start, but then by all means, plan and measure and all that sort of stuff. Business is like a river, right? The water's always going to go down, right? It's always going to find a way. Cub wasn't a members club that builds value relationships between accomplished Australian entrepreneurs. That wasn't what it was when I started. It was a nothing. Mm. The concept was a business family. Yeah, you backfilled and refined yeah. it. People were joining. And I was, I would be, I was, don't forget, I was 23. I didn't, I'd never really done anything before. And these, these incredible entrepreneurs are giving me money to join my club. And I'd say, after they do it, I'd be shocked. I'd say, well, why'd you join? And they all said the same thing. I want to be, I want to meet others in my position. That's what they, like, almost quote, that's what all of them said. And so I did that. I just gave them what they were saying they joined for. And my point is, I started. If I didn't start, I wouldn't have known what I was doing. I started and then I figured it out and I kept figuring it out. I say to people all the time, just do it, then start to backfill and refine as you go along. Get your business started. That's what you're talking about. And if you listen, so we have a podcast, Catching Up With Cub. It's Cub's podcast. And we, we just chat to the members. And if you listen to all of them talk, right, they all just do it. They just start and they don't have excuses. They have like victories because every adversity is a win because they, they beat it. And that's the, that's the attitude. Just start and don't stop. Keep going. There's always a way. There's always a way. No matter what, there is a way. And someone else has probably done it. So you can probably even find the way. Which is what Cub does. They introduce you to those people. Because that, that's a really important thing. What, I mean, people should be getting out of this. If you're in business or you want to go into business, get, this, get started, but expect something. Expect adversity. Now, adversity is not always going to come in the form of COVID or a GFC, but sometimes it does. Big adversities. But expect adversity. So don't just sit there and go, oh, shit, look at all these bad things happening to me. No, no, no. It's expected, and that's going to actually, when you come up with a solution to that adversity, whether it's by meeting like-minded people like you provide a cub or it's just talking to other people that you might have in your own network, but by beating that adversity, that's a, you've got to look at that as a, a refinement of your business. That's how your business develops. All businesses... Whatever you start off with will not end up, will not be where you end up in terms of your business. It's going to change because you can't predict. You can't make the assumptions as to where the, where the world economy is going to be. You're going to can't make the predictions where your client's going to be. Um, they don't, you don't know what your, your customers actually expect in the future. So don't try and legislate today for 10 years down the track or five years down the track. Just say, I'm going to get going and I'll make my changes as I go along. And then things confront me, I'll make it. And next time it happens, I'll know how to do it even better. Daniel, I always give her an opportunity to ask me a question, but I'm not going to give that opportunity to you because you have that opportunity every day of the week. You can ask me a question anytime you like, but if you want to ask me a question, you can. Yeah. And okay. you have I've asked got, me many an, questions over the years. But I've got an interesting question for you. Okay. What's the best way for me to structure Cub to make it the most valuable? So if someone wanted to purchase, which I'd never want to do, I, like, you know, I want, to, I want to die still having Cub for my family to continue with, but how would I structure it to be the most valuable version of itself? For me today, um, you hit on it very early. Um, you talked about how you were able to sidestep COVID by digitizing your business. And digitization of businesses, businesses today is all about data. It's all about playing with data, learning about data, manipulating data. So for me, the way to get 
um, what they call a strategic value over and above your multiple. So generally speaking, if you're looking at the value, like the, the financial value of a business, you take a multiple, which is something you multiply something by, multiply by the profits or, or sometimes it's the gross earnings. And it could be, um, you know, you, you, you have, generally speaking, you have to find a proxy for your industry, but let's say, you know, a multiple for your industry might be six times. So if you make a million dollars, it might be worth, therefore the business might be six, worth six million dollars. If you're trying to seek a strategic additional value, they call it the alpha, but if you want to make it worth 12, even though the revenue is still only a million bucks and you still only got a multiple of six, how do I make it worth 12 instead of six? Then the strategic, you've got to add strategic value. So strategic value today in the world of digitization is about data, the value of data and what that data tells me. So I might be a buyer. I'm looking to say, look, yeah, Daniel's business is making a million bucks a year. I'm going to give him a six-time multiple because that's what that industry gets. So it's worth six. But I'm prepared to pay 12 because Daniel has incredible data that's really valuable to me, my business. And the data is only valuable to me, though, if I, if the data is actually um, analyzed. In other words, it's put in their met- metrics, categories, and it is continuous. And it has a long period of time, so I can actually double-check the data so to me, it's about data. And in the age of digitization, digitization allows you to have better data. So digitization, it's not just about using digital to be able to connect with people and talk to them. It's about using digital to say, okay, who did I connect with and how long did they stay on the call and what is it that I'm getting from them? And then build that digitization into everything you do. So your cub business will, be far, will become far more valuable over time based on the data that you're collecting about everybody. So theoretically, if we're profiting 10 million, the max a business can be valued is 50, 60. Yeah. If you want to get to that 100, I need own, data. Own data about-, about your industry. So what is your industry? Your industry is entrepreneurship, business people, people in business. Yeah. So you want to know, for example, a good example, you might get someone out of who's one of your cub members who's an expert on um, cash flow. If you can start to, and you do this with your, with your podcast now, but if you can get them to come onto your podcast and parlay their information to a wide audience, it might not even become members, other people, but you can parlay that information to these people, therefore attract a, a new big audience, then the value of your business is going up because all of a sudden you're building data on a whole lot of other people. So you're using your business and the content of your business to build data of a really broad audience. Yeah, that's mad. And you have these people because one of the things I know about business people or successful business people, entrepreneurs, people you're talking about, one thing they love to do is talk about what they do. They just love it. They love giving back. No, they're totally, they're not doing it because they're they're skiding or they're showing off. They just like to share what it is they know. And you've got hundreds and hundreds of these people in your environment. Therefore, you've got a ready-made content for sharing with the world of entrepreneurs, people who might not be able to afford to come into your environment or maybe want to one day. Well, they're not ready yet. Or they're not all. ready yet, yeah. yeah. So, but it's still, that's data you should have. And how do I get to that data? How do I keep feeding them? You know, like how do I keep them up, up to date? Well, you do it with content. And Cub loves all entrepreneurs at any stage of business. So that'd be a great way to actually serve the earlier stage entrepreneurs. Totally. And one of the things about business people like to do is, we like to talk about a business because it actually confirms and articulates in our own mind what our business is about. And, mate, that is beautiful content. And off the back of that, you can build brilliant data. And off the back of that, you get extra st- strategic value 
for somebody else who might be looking at it. And I know you're not thinking about selling, but it's not just about making money. It's about putting the business in a position that it is very valuable. doesn't mean you're going to sell it, but you should always assume that you might want to sell it. Build it for the most value you can get. As I said, doesn't mean you're ever going to sell it. So I never thought I was going to sell Wizard. That was never in my mind. I've never thought I'm going to sell you a little bit great, but I built it ready for sale. So that means adding the most value, which is the best. That's the best question you ask me. That's a perfect question to ask. How do I get my business to be more valuable? And that's that's what I would do. I would play around with data because data for the future is going to be the, the most important thing for strategic value. Love it. Thank you. You're welcome, mate.